Welcome to the ADHD Mums podcast. We've got part two of the coffee date series with Chantelle where we have shamelessly gone off track and now we've had to create a second episode out of it. Let's kick off where we left off and welcome to Chantelle. I really started last week to think while I was listening to your podcast. It's really, I find it really interesting when people say, or oh, if you have ADHD or ASD, you don't, you don't like change. This is what I really commonly hear. And I hear it a lot from parents with kids <laughs> with a diagnosis or they don't like change. They probably do enjoy the change, especially if they have ADHD. It's how you navigate the change. Have you put an additional time pressure on them because of the change? Have you... Have they had to get dressed? Have you loaded their executive function because of the change? Have you gone from what the change was, what they were doing that was really manageable and something that they felt safe with to now an unsafe, unfun thing for them? Because, yeah, they're not going to like that. (laughs) But if you navigate the change by and meet their needs, and help them navigate that change, I would be fairly confident a large percentage of the time they will strongly navigate that with no issues and no concerns. And it really, it really hit me hard last week that my nan has this insane ability to meet people where they're at. That has always been my experience with her. And I was reminded of, I used to work for, I always did contract work. I never knew why I did contract work and now I understand it makes complete sense. And I would work for people like the like IBM and the ATO in really high level positions and, and I loved it. I've thrived on it. It was just wonderful. And we did a lot of professional development. And there was one where this man came in and he said, everyone should do 10 minutes of meditation a day. Everybody. It's really good for you, blah, blah, blah. He's going on about this. If you don't have time for 10 minutes of meditation a day, you actually need an hour. That floated around in my head for about 12 years because I had no idea what he meant. I was like, how if you're busier how do you find 50 more minutes that made no sense to me my logic brain could not understand that and about probably four years ago i started to really understand it i was like oh you're losing track of what you need so that's why you need an hour because you need to refocus that and Every time I go to my nan's, the first thing she will do is boil the jug and we sit down and have a cup of tea. And I've got, you know, five million things to tell her because I'm excited to see her because I love her and it's been ages since we've caught up. And she will boil the jug, we sit down and have a cup of tea and she gives me something to eat. My mouth is full. I can't talk. She starts talking. I have to listen. She also knows that it's very unlikely that I've eaten (laughs) that day. And that's where I really started to think I already 
thought that she was just a remarkable woman. However, I really started last week to think while I was listening to your podcast, wow, she is she is so knowledgeable and so progressive and she picks up on all of those cues of things that, that people need before they know they need them. She was all of her friends would say that about her and I would describe her like that, but I didn't realise she did it with me so well. And I cried while I was listening to you talking and I was crying because I was, the shame was setting in that I haven't done that enough with my kids because I have been trying to fit into these societal norms with a neurodivergent household, undiagnosed, unmedicated for like a solid six years. That's six years we've been trying to life <laughs> how it should look like. And then for six years I've been trying to learn about it and how we do it different been doing it wrong and I need to get strong in meeting everyone where they're at including myself but that doesn't work with school and all these other things and where I just really don't know how to do it better without having extreme measures like unschooling or homeschooling and then I start to spiral in the well that that might be great for the kids but not great for me where's the balance I think it's interesting that you're talking in such a beautiful way about your nan right but then you're also highlighting that the world is not set up for neurodiverse people And I'm thinking, but look at the environment you're creating for your children to come home to. And if they have that home base with their mum that can meet them where they're at most of the time, none of us are perfect, right? Then is that not the most beautiful way? Because even if you homeschooled them, and I mean, there's people out there that homeschool, I'm open to homeschooling. I personally don't, but not something I would never do. But if you can create a home base that's so beautiful and warm and supportive, then that's reflective of the world because the jobs out there, the work, uni Mm. are not neuro-friendly yet. And so in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to create a really beautiful, supportive place for my children to come back to after they've gone out in the world. And that's how I feel. You know, my husband's so beautiful. I'm very lucky where we go out into the world and then I kind of come back and I have to hibernate for a few days sometimes. (laughs) you know, at home. And I think that's an opportunity that you can create that for your kids. I'm at uni at the moment. So in COVID, I studied my ENs and I've gone to uni to study my RNs. And they're not, these institutions are not set up for neurodivergence. They are trying and they're doing a great job at trying with what they've got. Excellent. But I've been a squeaky wheel. If I had not 
been the squeaky wheel, I would not have the support. Now this just rounds circles to the irony of let's give people who need help managing medication. So you're telling me I don't have the time and energy to be the squeaky wheel, but I need to be, otherwise I don't get the help. Okay. All right. Let's just sit with that. And as women though, have we not, have we not been taught as women to camouflage, right? So I was going to ask you in the 38 years that you were camouflaging and fitting in, if you had have known earlier, what difference or change would that have made to your life? It would have been huge. It would have given me the permission to be exactly who I was and not feel like I was always too much, too loud, too bright too crazy, too out there, too much, it would have changed my life because I would have nurtured that and fostered that instead of trying to squash it out of me. (laughs) And what I am trying really hard to teach the kids is that the squashing is wrong. Don't you dare squash that out of you. You have amazing strengths that other people don't have. But tangent also, it's not a fucking superpower because we don't get to choose when we hyper-focus. We, it's Superman, choose when he flies. We don't have that choice. So it's, I, and again, controversial because lots of people do believe it is a superpower, but I really don't promote that to the kids at all because, again, if it was a superpower, I'd feel great all the time because I'm a superhero. That's what the 10-year-old brain thinks. Well, how come I feel shit when the teacher's explained it and I don't understand it? You know, that... Yeah, and I think if if the super focus or the hyper focus switches on at the right time in the right direction Mm. and the wind and the stars align and the moon's full you might have a superpower for a very short period of time but the rest of the time it's not necessarily the case I, I hear what you're saying exactly I think there's a superhero feeling or quality in that stars aligning moment that might only happen once or twice in your entire life but in that time, it is. But the rest of the time, not so much. And you're just lucky if you're hyper-focusing on something that actually financially pays off 100%. in some way. If you don't, you've actually spent $5,000 on sewing equipment to start a business, which you've not done. I think if there's anything I've learned over the last 12 months as an ADHD mum, It's how important, and it sounds crazy, it's super simple, but it's hugely impactful, is how important eating, sleeping, and hydration is. So if I am finding that I'm doing something that's not working or I'm frustrated or I just can't seem to be getting what I want out of whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm like, have I eaten today? (laughs) Have I had something to drink in the last hour? And how much sleep did I have last night? And it just 
gives me a little bit more understanding of, okay, maybe where am I at? Is there then something I can move out to a different day or, okay, stop now, make something to eat, give yourself that time and then go back to it. We know that this is so important for our kids, but I don't think we do it well enough as mums at all. We all know it's important that you drink water and we all know it's important that you eat healthy food, but are you actually eating regularly? (laughs) You might have had your morning coffee, but have you had any water? Have you... And I'm, I'm been so guilty of that my entire life. And it's really the biggest change for me in that understanding myself and removing the first kind of layer of that self-loathing is have I eaten? Have I had enough sleep? Have I had enough water? And then... I can understand maybe why things are happening the way they're having, happening or have I had my medication? <laughs> yeah, and I suppose it's taking care of yourself last as opposed to first, whereas we wouldn't let our child have minimum sleep, no food, no water, and then go, oh, I, I, I wonder why they're not getting things right today. I wonder. <laughs> Probably know why if you actually reflect on it, as you said that you haven't been taking care of yourself at all. And I think that's all all mothers, not just ADHD mothers, but particularly for us that does really affect us. I think that's a great point. Absolutely. And that conditioning of and expectations of clean, if the dishes are there and need to be cleaned, the floors need to be done and it's breakfast time, I'm not eating. I'm doing the dishes, I'm cleaning the floor and then I'll eat. And I actually have found you know, that expectation, well, you should all want to sit together and eat breakfast in the morning and blah, blah, blah. I can't eat with the kids unless it's dinner time. And even then I eat less because I actually find it really stressful because when they're together, we're navigating their needs, (laughs) which are very different. So I can't, I don't enjoy what I'm eating or I don't, I just find it a really stressful time. So And then again, realizing that, oh, well, actually, that's okay. And understanding that they don't need to eat breakfast at the same time. One could be ready before the other, you know, those. And questioning the rules, that's another thing I've done to understand my self-esteem so I would think I was a bad mum if they're not sitting down together and eating breakfast why do they have to sit down and eat breakfast together who's made that rule did I make that rule is that just what I think should happen because no one has told me that you can do it differently so my own rigidity in my diagnosis hadn't allowed me to see that so then I just thought I was a shit mum Yeah, I hear you. And it's, again, it's that society pressure, isn't it? Because I think eating together at dinner with the TV off is an expectation that is put on everybody. And I don't even know where it comes from, really. It just is the expectation, right? But then for ADHD mums, I am very impatient. It's my worst quality. And my children are very impulsive. They interrupt each other and then they get very angry, And they also, for some reason, particularly my son, will not tell me how his day is until he sits down at the table. 
So I try and isolate them separately. They won't allow it. So they're so built up when they arrive at the dinner table to tell me every single step of their day. But what actually happens is they start yelling at each other constantly. It was my turn. No, it was my turn. No, I said that. And then they talk over each other. Then they share each other's details. I've completely lost it, right? Five minutes in, I'm thinking this is the worst experience of my life. I cannot stand the dinner table. But it's that pressure to be that, do that. And look, we do that most of the time for them because it's think it's important and they need to learn, right? You can't separate them to speak because they do need to learn that skill, right? So we do persevere with it. But my husband also, he coaches rugby a couple of nights a week. On those nights, no, we don't do that. I put the TV on and I'm okay with that. And sometimes I have a small glass of wine and I'm like, that's fine. And I set myself up elsewhere because that is an expectation that I cannot cope with without backup. That is not like something that's something to look forward to. So I hear you, it's questioning the rules. And And I think I've also created times with the children where they have their one-on-one time so that they don't feel like they're competing because we have the exact same experience as you anytime we're at the table together. Because we also, if we're talking about something fun, we get excited and then the three of us are excited. We're all interrupting, talking over the top of each other. Everyone's then annoyed. Somebody's crying and someone's stomped off to their room because they can't cope with all of the noise. So. I do try and have little pockets of time and I remind the kids. So I'll say, hey, remember tonight, you know, you and me will have a little snug. You can tell me all about that. And that has helped them a little bit if I can remember and then if I do it and if I have the energy to do it. You know, there's there's all these provisos. Don't you love that though when... You get to the end of the day, right? And it's like eight o'clock and my daughter, I'm like desperate for her to get into bed. And then she'll go, you didn't do this and name all this stuff that I haven't done. And it's like, sorry, I literally forgot. And she's forgotten too, right? But at eight o'clock, she'll start to list to me all the things I've forgotten that day. And I'm like, well, that's like, that's both of our fault. Like you didn't remind me either. Like I said, we'd have special time. I forgot, you forgot. Like I can't do it now. And also... Like, what about the 7,000 other things I did that were great? How about we start talking about any one of those things in amongst? And we have actually, we have really adopted natural consequences more in our house because we all have a PDA profile. So that's pathological demand avoidance, which is really tricky to navigate as well and understanding that. So instead of enforcing consequences or feeling like I have to as a mum, because I get exactly that, mum, you said we were going to do this today and we didn't. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We didn't because we did this, this, and this instead. So that took up the time. So next time, what we actually need to do is maybe do that thing in the morning or whatever it might be. And not having negative talk around it and not being like, oh, I'm rubbish because I forgot or, you know, not having any of that of, yeah, you're right. We didn't do it today because we did all these other things. So if we want to do that, 
let's plan that differently or something. And again, the same for getting ready in the morning and getting to school and all of those things. Oh, okay, well, you didn't charge your laptop last night. Natural consequences, it's flat this morning. I actually can't change that because I don't have the energy to run around and do everyone else's stuff at eight, nine o'clock. You know, we have these strategies, we have charts, we have, I have set the children up the best I can to help them and meet them where they're at. But my support at that time of the day is not infinite at the end of the day. So they need to take some responsibility for their things. And we, again, we talk a lot in our house about age, responsibility and privileges. With age, your increase in age, your privileges increase, but so does your responsibility. So because they need to know how to do this stuff, they might need to do it different. So they might need a chart until they're 16. <laughs> That's okay. You just need to do it different. But here's your chart because it's not going to be mum there next to you every day at every moment going this, this and this because if it is, mum can't go to the gym. Mum needs to go to the gym for her mental health not her physical health. Physical health is a bonus. Don't you love it when they say, I can't wait to be an adult and I can do whatever I want. And I always go, when did I get to do whatever I wanted? Like, I feel like that was a long time ago. Right. I feel like I get less to do that I want that you do. I was having a conversation the other day and I said to somebody, my time is never my own. There is things I do for the kids in a day, there's things I do for work, there's things I do for friends and all of these things I want to do but I, it's not my own time and I thought okay, I actually I really need to just go back and look at a few things and tweak them because if I'm feeling like my time is never my own, I'm not doing what I should be doing. Yeah, and then, you know, the role modelling as well for your kids because I saw my mum do that too. And I remember vividly being young and I was sick and we all must have had the flu and she came and sat down next to me for like three minutes and she didn't look very well and I must have been 10 and I said, are you okay? And she said, no, I've got the same flu as you do. And I said, oh, no, you know, mum, sit down. Like I'll get you a blanket and, you know, and she said, oh, no, I, I've got too much to do. I can't rest. And she got up and kept going. And I remember thinking, wow. And that stayed with me watching her do that. It really has stayed with me. I don't think I ever had a sick day in my life because I was sick. That was not a good enough reason to take a day off work. I was talking to a friend about this mm. when I said to her, oh, I'm at like 5% and I've got to go to work tomorrow. And she said, so if you're at 5%, <laughs> is that not the time when you take a sick day? And I was like, no. And she said, well, when do you take a sick day then? If 5% isn't enough. And she said, and let's be honest, because you actually always operate at 500%. So if you're at five, you're proper gassed. When do you take a sick day? I thought, well, I actually really have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. 
I think again, mums, we don't parents, we don't do that. ADHD mums are not putting themselves first and we have to because you can't meet everyone meet everyone where they're at if you're not doing the things for you to be you know as well as you can be oh yeah it's like that you know the ultimate example on the plane where they said put your oxygen mask on before putting on others there's no way we can help ourselves or anybody else if you're at five percent you cannot meet anyone at any need at five percent there is no way that you can do that but and you and I both have lived this but we don't do that or we hadn't been doing that no, so we, we know that. this as a society, we know we get on a plane and we know that they're going to say that. And the GP says to us, you can't pour from an empty cup and oxygen, but there is not enough support or education or in how to do that. How do we do that? Well, I believe, and I said this in one of my episodes, I think it was the RSD one, that ADHD mums are resilient. We are absolutely resilient people. And I think for us, if we feel 5%, we felt 5% a lot. I remember being 5% at school Mm. all the time. You just get up and this is where the masking comes in. You push, you push, you don't rest because a lot of the time we're at 5% and we don't feel good. We don't look after ourselves. And if we have an ADHD parent, the example is Mm. not to do that. My dad had I reckon quite severe ADHD and he was a tradie and I remember we lived in Tassie he got up at six he went to work in the dark he came home in the dark he was injured he didn't care he just kept going and that was the example that I had and if I said to him oh kind of got a sore arm I remember actually I played netball at quite a high level and I had um, quite a sore arm and I was catching the ball with one arm in this game. And I remember my mum said to me, oh, are you sure you're okay? And I was just not saying to anyone that I wasn't okay. And then I was also working at um, Woolworths packing shelves. And I went for three months with a dislocated okay. shoulder because I was not willing to take a day off my packing the shelves and take a day off netball. And I wasn't willing to say to my parents, I think I've really actually hurt mm-hmm. my arm. And I actually dislocated it doing high jump because I was quite good at athletics and I was never keen to say that. And even when they found out it was dislocated and put it back in, I, I still wouldn't really admit that it had been a problem. So do you know what I mean? When we talk about looking after ourselves, sometimes it's so foreign because of what we've yeah. seen that we don't even know how to begin to do that. I am learning how to do life so differently to my diagnosis and it is so much kinder (laughs) and I am trying so hard to model to the kids and to advocate at school and to be the noise and the squeaky wheel because it is so incredibly hard without you know that knowledge and we can't expect people to know or be mindful of these things if we don't put out these real life experiences because everyone's is different and every presentation is so different. But if they can recognise maybe one group of behaviours and like I was mentioning before with employers can say, 
Hey, what works well for you? Like a later start time or a flexible start time or, you know, low key Monday. So you don't have all this overwhelming pressure on a Sunday that Monday you've got to get up and perform at a hundred percent. You know, what, what does that look like? You know, the same at school. Can we not just ease our way into the week instead of having an assessment every Monday and the kids know that and they have this horrendous anxiety about having to perform for this assessment? Yeah, no, there's the pressure on the parent all weekend and then you get there and then the teachers forgot on Monday anyway, so it ends up happening Thursday. So you've just ruined an entire week and you're like, thanks so much, Mrs Smith, you've just ruined my whole week with your one English assessment for grade two. You know, my my daughter loves school and the thought of missing a day of school like literally sends her into an anxious panic state and we were having such a tricky time that I took them out of school for a week and we went away. The best thing about that week away, so Henry, I did spelling words with him so 10 minutes every day just for four days and he nailed all of the words by the fourth day got every single one of them right and this is a kid who hates writing like if he has to pick up a pencil that's his first barrier like he's not doing it so I was really that was huge for him to see that you can actually do it differently and be really successful. And then when we came back for Millie, she went to school on the Monday and she came home and she said, Mum, school was so boring today. And I was like, yes, I have unlocked a part of their brain for Henry to realise he can learn and still be great while we experience life and for Millie to realize that school is not the be all and end all and she can actually really enjoy life when she's not at school on a Monday. Thank you so much Chantel. It has been like talking to a kindred spirit. ADHD mums are the best. I always say I seek them out in my life and it feels like we've kind of had a bit of a coffee and a chat rather than an interview. Thank you so much for your openness and honesty. Thanks for having me Dan.